cave parties. Everybody's in for giving back to those in need. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400 Radio, alright. Club 400 Radio is on the air. How's everybody doing? William, what's going on? I don't know. It's another big day, another big show. I'm ready. Oh, yeah. I just want to remind you guys, too, if you're newly listening to Club 400 Radio, do not be afraid to check out our older episodes because we, f- we want to focus on timeless podcasts. So you can listen to any one of these at any point in time. None of them have to do with what is, is going on at the moment in time with the Cubs. Uh, we don't cover recaps. We don't cover trades. We don't cover any of that stuff. So Go back and check out our episodes with a lot of great Cub fans. And something that's new to the show, we're really trying to get people to interact with us now. So we've got a hotline that's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I believe. And you can call 847-857-7323. Again, 847-857-7323. Leave us a message about... If you have an idea for an upcoming show, if you have some feedback or comments on our the shows that we have, we're doing a show coming up in a little while on memorabilia. So if you want to let us know some kind of Cubs piece of memorabilia that you have, we can uh, talk to our expert about that. And yep, maybe Tom Orman. Find out how much it's worth. You can also uh, email us at club400podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so, hey, when you call in on the hotline, just so you know, we could clip it and use it on our show, all right? So and we accept drunk phone calls after midnight, by the way. So, uh, yeah, call our, our hotline. What she said is 847-857-7323, and let us know what you're thinking, all right? And we'll, uh, we want to make this a little bit more interactive than what we have done with our listeners. And speaking of that, we got some giveaways we're going to be doing, right? That's right. So we're going to be doing um, T-shirts and some Club uh, 400 Radio swag, and you, not to but mention. You, but you have to listen to the show. That's the key. You have to listen because we're going to drop hints and stuff like that. We haven't figured out exactly how we're going to do it, but we are giving away two tickets to opening day. Oh. I mean, who doesn't want to go to beautiful Wrigley Field on opening day? I mean, it probably won't be beautiful outside. But baseball will be back in Chicago, and that's the beautiful—that's the beautiful part. Can't wait. We need that with the weather we're having here. Yeah. So today we want—I'm really was really looking forward to doing this show because as Cub fans, or if you're not even a Cub fan, part of the fan experience is autographs. So today we're focusing on Chicago Cubs and autographs, and we have a guest today—a special guest who I've met numerous times. And my, part of my thinking by bringing David on today is that he is an expert graffer at Sloan Park. So if you're going down to Mesa this year with your family and you want to get autographs, this is the show to listen to today. So uh, Club 400 Radio would like to introduce our good friend, David Truitt. David, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Oh, man, we're doing great now. You're in Arizona. We're freezing our ass off here in Chicago. Uh, what's the temperature out like down there? Well, it, uh, so we actually just finally hit, te- quote, unquote, winter here in Phoenix. Um, it's probably 38 degrees outside right now, but it will hit about 60 degrees by later this afternoon. So uh, we're freezing our ass off this morning, but the jackets get to come off in the afternoon and and you get to put the windows back down in the car. Well, just to compare things, the other day we had minus 60 degrees. And then it wind went chill. Wind chill. And then it went up to about 20 the next day. And we were all in shorts. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was 75 here in Phoenix those days. I had a buddy from the right down the road there in the Quad Cities that had flown in. And when he flew back to the Quad Cities on Wednesday, being the worst day of that uh, of that miserable weather, he landed and it was negative 38 degrees in Davenport, Iowa. So. Um, I don't miss those days at all, and, I, and I'm very happy to be here in Arizona now. Well, part of the awesome thing about Club 400 is that we've met a lot of great people, and we uh, met people that you know know what they're talking about, and you're one of them. But before we go into uh, your graphing and stuff, tell us a little bit about yourself 
uh, how you became a Cubs fan, and uh, we'd like to hear your story. Yeah, I mean, uh, guys, I grew up right down the street from you, about three hours down uh, down Interstate 80 and down Fort Iowa. So, you know, growing up as a kid, obviously everybody has WGN. And, and when you live in the Midwest in that in that area, you know, all of your smart people are Cubs fans. And, and then you got some ignorant people who, you know, tend to follow the Cardinals or the White Sox or, you know, uh, those are just people that didn't get good educations, in my opinion. But, um, you know, I grew up a big Cubs fan. I'm 30 years old. So obviously for me, you know, Sammy Sosa was the man as a kid. And I All right, you know, another very, Sammy very guy. Fondly, very fondly remember, you know, as a kid, the first big baseball moment I think that I can, I can truly remember is uh, the home run race with McGuire. The um, summer of 98. I'll never forget watching the game where the Cubs gave Sammy Sosa that purple, uh, that purple prowler um, after he broke the 60 home run mark. And so that ever since then, man, I was hooked. And, um, you know, I started off at a young age, kind of going to my local minor league ballpark and, and getting autographs there, wanting to pick the, the brain of other athletes. And, and then it just kind of grew from there. And then I learned how to do it at Wrigley and, um, and then I just be, kind of became an expert of it and, and moved to Arizona and kind of brought that here where you really get baseball almost year round here. Yeah. So you're like, I consider you an expert grapher. Is that the right uh, terminology or grapher or what's the right, what's the, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, some people, you know, collector grapher, uh, just don't ever call, you know, some of us, there are definitely these guys exist, but eBayers, um, I'm definitely far from an eBayer, even though I did recently decide to, to get rid of a, a big portion of my collection um but yeah i mean it's it's something that you do as a as a hobby you know as a kid i was the kid that was hey i'm gonna go to the ballpark and i'm gonna go try to meet you know this ball player or that ball player rather than the kids that were like hey man let's go drink after school or you know let's go smoke some pot i mean me i just i always wanted to be around my favorite athletes and and just follow the sports that i love and one thing i know about dave dave is one of those guys that makes stuff happen you know you 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 go with dave right and you're gonna somehow something crazy is gonna happen and before we get into i i I want you to tell tell the audience real quick about your recent graphing experience it was outside of baseball but i thought was pretty cool i saw you i saw it on uh, facebook about uh, ray mysterio wwe uh, wrestler can you tell us that story because before we go on the baseball that's the good story i think yeah you are are an artist too also i would like you to talk about that a little bit yeah, so this uh, this entire experience was just uh, beyond even my expectations. Like you said, Stu, I've always had an ability to really just make it happen. If I put my mind to it, um, it I just I, it always works out. And I recently uh, I grew up a wrestling fan. You know, my dad was the guy that was Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and Dusty Rhodes and you know and all those guys back in the '80s. So I grew up watching wrestling. I grew up during what they called the Monday Night War. So WCW on TNT, and then you got the WWF on the USA Network. And, you know, I grew up as the kid that had that opportunity to flip back and forth between the channels. And you got to experience Stone Cold, but you got to experience the NWO. And um, for me, you know, I really gravitated towards, you know, what they call the luchador. So, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, the guys that were a little bit smaller, but they could do a lot of acrobatic aerial things. And for me, you know, I always was gravitated towards Rey Mysterio as a kid just because he wore these really cool outfits with a lot of colors. You know, he always had a mask on. And at five, six, seven years old, when I really got into wrestling, to me, he was like a real-life superhero. And, you know, this is something that I followed for the last 20 years of my life. You know, I've been a, a big wrestling fan and still watch it today. And we just had the Royal Rumble come to Phoenix here. And they did what they called WWE Fan Access. And you can go there, you can wait in line, get autographs, take pictures, see a lot of memorabilia. So just very similar to going to like an MLB All-Star Fan Fest. And uh, from there, what I did was uh, I purchased Rey Mysterio's VIP meet and greet. So it was $150. I did this because I wanted to get a really good picture with him wearing his mask. And at that point, I decided, you know, hey, I, I... just spent $150 on a photograph. What the hell was I thinking? And so I, I, you get the chance to get one item autographed. And I decided, you know what, if I'm going to go to this, it's got to be something epic. So it can't be the toy. It can't be an eight by 10 photo. I mean, it's got to be something unique. So I decided to do this painting 
And I did a three foot by three foot painting of Rey Mysterio. And which is awesome. And we'll to... post it. It's a, by the way, that is awesome. That is so cool, man. I saw that. And that's just, I know, go ahead. But I mean, we're going to post it on club 400. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, uh, and the thing with it too, is if you, you know, you look at that painting, it's got a portrait of Rey Mysterio on it. Now I do art and I do quite a bit of stuff, but I had never before done a painting that that was, that was that big. And the other aspect of this, I have never in my life tried to paint a portrait. And that thing came out better than I could have ever imagined. And as I was doing it, the way that I really kind of made traction with this, and, and guys, you know, any fan that's out there, this goes a long way in the sports world in general, not just wrestling. You know, I've gotten Anthony Rizzo's attention on social media. You know, I've gotten the attention of other Cubs players on social media. You know, if you're ever going to do some art or you're going to do something for the player, social media is your best friend. What I did was I started posting updated photos of the painting in different stages as I was going through it. And as I did that, it caught Rey Mysterio's attention. He started liking the photos. He started commenting on the photos. And that's when I realized, hey, I'm on to something here. So when I finished the product, I went to the fan access. And I'm literally walking around this place carrying a three-foot-by-three-foot painting. I'm getting stopped every two feet that I walk of people asking me to look at it or take pictures of it. And when Ray Mysterio comes walking into the building with security, he sees it, comes right over to me. It stops everybody. And with the whole crowd around us, looks at it, goes, man, that's badass. Right. So that was the point when the light bulb went off. And when I went through the line and, uh, and I got the chance to go up there and talk to Ray Mysterio, I went dead last so that I would have the opportunity to talk to him. And he basically let me know that he wanted the painting. So uh, I had kind of said to him, and, and Stu, you talked about memorabilia. I talked about wanting one of his actual ring-worn masks. And so what he did was he had me come over to the hotel later that evening and drop off the painting package and ready to go. And he exchanged me one of his ring-worn masks and signed it for me and then actually signed the other three-foot-by-three-foot painting I did, which I'll send you the photo of that one as well. So um, it was a crazy experience, man. It's, it's really weird to go from looking at a guy that, you know, you've, you've really kind of, I guess, looked up to or idolized for 20 years, and now all of a sudden you're in his hotel room, he has your painting, and then a few days later you see him post a picture of it in his house. I mean, that's pretty humbling. Oh, I mean, I, th I thought it was a great story, and I did want you to share it with us, man. It's uh, Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. So, yeah, we're going to focus now on Chicago Cubs autograph. So, I brought you on for a couple different reasons because uh, you know autographs. And uh, but I first want to start out with is, uh, you know, obviously spring training is going to start here in a little bit. And for some graphers, it already has. Um, tell us about the best ways to graph at Sloan Park. If you're going to give anybody some strategies, Dave, what would it be? Well, I mean, the biggest thing, guys, is, is you got to be very, very persistent. You got to put in the time. I mean, crafting at Sloan Park is not easy by any means because of the setup of the ballpark. And one thing, Stu, I, I'd actually like to talk about this. You know, I know you're, uh, most Cubs fans, they, they go to spring training on a pre pretty regular basis. And, you know, there used to be obviously Fitch Park um, over at Ho-Ho Camp. You know, the way that the facility was set up over at Fitch Park, it was so easy. The players literally had to walk through you to get to the next field. You know, a lot, there wasn't a lot of non-entry or non-access points to the players. But at Sloan, you know, when they when they brought along Sloan, that really kind of changed the game of autographing the Cubs um, here in Arizona. You know, the first year that Sloan Park was open, it was a little bit rough. Um, you know, it was trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to get to players? You know, a lot of the times, even today, and it gets progressively worse, instead of the players walking across the dirt path from the clubhouse over to the stadium, you know, all of your big-name players are going to get in golf carts, and they shut them around so you don't have opportunities to get those guys. So you really have to learn the ins and outs. You have to have a strategy in place. But overall, you just got to be willing to really get there early and probably leave late. Um, if you're willing to do that, you know, you're going to hit on some big names. You know, you're going to get an Anthony Rizzo here or there. But, you know, it, it's, it's having the patience and really just being able to dedicate the time to doing it. Um, you can always get the, the minor league guy walking across, but if you want anybody that's an active roster guy, you really got to know what you're doing. I wanted you to talk about too. Obviously, spring, you know when we think of spring training, we think of 
you know, games at Sloan Park. But let's talk about the area, the quad area. Now, like I said, some graphers are out there right now. Uh, pitchers are, and catchers reporting. They have reported. And even though there's not games on, right, that quad area, let's talk about that, which is located behind the Under Armour Center. When I say quad area, it's basically four baseball fields. Now, that spot is a hot spot for autographs before the games actually start, correct? Actually, um, not not really. I mean, it's so the way that that works back there is it's that setup is still similar to how Fitch Park was. You know, the players still go from field to field. They walk through you, but they are instructed, do not sign at all. Just go to the next field. Um, so, you know, if you're smart and for the Cubs fans that are out there, let me, let me give you guys a little bit of a trick. You know, Jake Arrieta, when Jake was with the Cubs, he was, uh, he was very, very hard autograph to get. And, you know, it's one of those things where you got to realize who you're going for, what their personalities are, and really what are you going to get out of this experience. So, for example, the last, I guess, hit that I had at the quad was Jake and a few other players were rotating fields. And I knew Jake wasn't going to stop, but obviously a bunch of people were trying to get him to. So what I did was I walked up ahead of the crowd and I got well of, of in front of the group. And as Jake was coming up on me, I had my phone ready to go. I had my camera facing me and I said, Hey Jake, can I just get a quick photo with you? And he leaned in and he took a photo with me. You know, it's, you got to know your player. You got to know your circumstances. You know, you'll never on the quads, you'll never get a Baez. You'll never get John Lester. You'll never get a Rizzo. You might be able to get lucky and snag a quick photo with somebody, but the autographs back there, usually what they do, Stu, is they will typically walk off of the backfield straight to the clubhouse, so they never even get to a situation where you can get close and get them to sign. Every now and then, you'll get a relief pitcher or you'll get like a Javi Baez that'll come over and sign with you, but usually even when it's the big name, guys, put your kids up there. Um, Typically, your kids are going to be the ones to get them lured over, they're going to sign for the kids. Most of the adults, they won't, because one of the issues that you run into graphing in Arizona is the, the guys that live here, it's the same people every day, day in, day out. And these players know who the real fans are, and they know really who the, you know, the dealers are and the resellers are. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit older than you, about 20 years older, let's say. <laughs> and um, when I was a kid, you know, people didn't sell autographs, so they would get them, but nobody, there wasn't even really a market back then to sell stuff. Do you find the players today are, um, like that, that has an impact on them? Like they're less likely to sign knowing that a lot of the people, I mean, they can't tell if it's a fan or a dealer, um, when there's, you know, big long line of people and stuff like that. Do you think that, has any impact on what you're doing today? Um, I think, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, the world of eBay has introduced uh, a whole market. Um, you know, I've been doing this. I'm 30 years old, guys, and I've been collecting autographs since probably, I would say, like the age of 12 was when I really kind of got into it. Um, like, full bore, was excited to do it. And even today, man, you, you go to games out here in Arizona – and guys, social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, eBay, you know, there now there's offer up, there's let go. I mean, there's all these different avenues of where you can resell items. You know, the, the sports world or sports memorabilia world did six billion dollars last year in revenue. Think about that. Six billion dollars in just people's signatures. Right? So everybody kind of is capitalist and wants to really capitalize on, on that network. So, you know, it's not uncommon now to go to Sloan Park and see a group of four or five kids, 12 to 15 years old, I mean, still in high school, you know, not even old enough to get a job yet. And they're out there and they're hounding players to sign bats for them or sign jerseys for them. And I will literally hear a 14, 15-year-old kid get a Chris Bryant autograph, look at it, judge how crappy the autograph is in their opinion and then say, Oh, I'll just throw it on eBay or I'll just sell it. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely changed over the last few years in terms of what it used to be. You know, you're starting to see far less collectors and a lot more dealers out there, 
which really makes it not fun for, you know, the parent that's trying to take their kid or, um, you know, it's, and it pushes the players away. I mean, I've seen players literally say no way eBay and refuse to sign something for somebody. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, the game has changed. And, and also uh, the contract, a lot of these players now have contracts with companies like for instance, Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Hendricks all have an exclusive agreement with fanatics. And then you got, you know, other players such as Kyle Schwarber with smaller companies, you know. So explain it, Stu. Does that mean that they can only sign things that are permitted by fanatics or how does that work? It just makes it more. Most of these players are like Rizzo. Like, you know, Dave, what's your opinions on Rizzo autograph? He's a hard autograph, correct? Um, And here's the reality of of Rizzo, guys. Um, I, you know, when I was. The first few years that I lived in Arizona, as, as Rizzo became a Cub, you know, I used to, and, and Stu, excuse my language for this, but I used to really think he was a dick. Um, just, just a total dick. He's not fan-friendly. Um, he's extremely difficult to get to. A lot of times he won't acknowledge fans. But then, you know, after kind of doing this for the last five, six years at Sloan, um, I really had a, I had a really awesome experience with Anthony Rizzo, which I, I would like to share with you guys before we end the podcast. No, like, yeah, please do because um, I wanted you to share a couple of really great experiences and a couple of really bad experiences because those so are always fun Rizzo, stories. You know, Rizzo's a guy that here's the thing: if you're the average Cubs fan, you know your kid loves Anthony Rizzo. I'm going to be honest with you: you'll never get him at Sloan Park. Period. The guy does not sign before games. They're going to golf cart him around every day. You're just the reality is is you're never going to get him. Um, it's you know, once those games start. I mean, he's he's a ghost. You know, it's um, it, now now that he's gotten married and he just came back from his honeymoon. I've heard that he's been a little bit better so far this spring, but I have not been out graphing at all to to verify this. But I mean, he's a guy that just very very difficult. And I used to always have an opinion about him and think he was kind of a dick and. Um, you know, I just wasn't the, the most fan friendly guy, but at the end of the day, you're a good ball player and you win his games. You don't got to be fan friendly. In my opinion, that's not what you're paid to do. But, um, I did have an experience with him where I actually caught him one-on-one three times last spring training. And if you ever catch Anthony Rizzo and you want a good, nice autograph out of it, my opinion to any fan out there is going to be to always ask him to personalize the item because he is very aware of resellers and what his autograph goes for. And if you ask him to personalize it, usually he'll give you a little bit of crap and ask you if you're sure and tell you, well, you can't sell it if it's personalized. So he likes to make a little bit of fun out of it. But I think at the same time, it gains his respect. And last year when I had gotten him three times, I'd asked him to personalize three different items to me the three times I caught him. And it was just one of those right place, right time situations of putting in the work of being around slow. And the last time I caught him was actually over at Tempe Diablo Stadium. So this was the Anaheim Angels Spring Training Complex. Rizzo was leaving the facility, and they parked their cars for the opposing team in the parking lot with all of the fans. And they just have a chingling fence in between, like, my car and the player's car. So Anthony Rizzo drives a very distinctive uh, black Bentley, and my car was parked on the other side of the fence from him. And I had came out, and I see Rizzo walk into his car. Well, he walked over to me and kind of joked with me a little bit, asking me if I was stalking him, which, as an autograph collector, <laughs> hey, yeah, a little bit of it is that, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and professional I was, stalking. He was like, oh, so you just happened to be right by my car. And I was like, Rizzo, my car is right here. I'm parked right here. And I chirped my vehicle so he knew. And he walked over and goes, hey, man, I'm just giving you some shit. And I, it kind of caught me by surprise because that's not a, a typical Rizzo response. And uh, Rizzo then looks at me and goes, I saw your Instagram. And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, you're from Iowa, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, Iowa Hawks fan 06 or whatever. And I said, yeah, that's me. And he goes, we're all good, man. I saw your Instagram. You're a real fan. I'll always take care of you. And he signed my baseball with the best autograph I've ever gotten out of an Anthony Rizzo in my entire life. Just absolutely beautiful. And he stood there, posted up on the fence, and talked to me for probably 10 minutes, asked to see pictures of my collection. And then from there, um, any time that I saw him after that, 
Stu, he would literally go out of his way to walk over, shake my hand, say hello, hey, how are you? Still wouldn't sign for the other fans. But, you know, that was really cool. I mean, it took me five years to build that relationship with him. But it just kind of makes you realize that, you know, the he's fan-friendly, but he's got to trust you. Right, exactly. There's so many people out there trying to take, you know, advantage of these guys. And, you know, they know that. But Right. But, yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you um, – because most of our listeners who are going to spring training are going there for games. So what are your game day tips for autographs at Sloan? Game day tips for autographs at Sloan are, are basically this, guys. Um, you want to get there around 8, 9 o'clock in the morning if you're looking to do some autographs. I know it's early, right? Club 400 is going to be there for a week. You know, it gives you plenty of time to, to drink and tailgate and have a good time. But it also gives your kids plenty of time to be able to try to get some autographs. You know, there, there's a couple really good ways to do it once games actually start. So usually around 1030, 11 o'clock in the morning, the players will start doing batting practice on field one, which all fans do have access to. Um, I, again, a lot of your big names, your Chris Bryant, your Rizzo, you know, even a Jason Hayward, like those guys aren't going to sign autographs over there. But Kyle Schwarber signs autographs quite a bit. Wilson Contreras will sign autographs quite a bit. You know, Ryan Sandberg is always around. Rhino is a great guy. I know you guys have, have had different interactions with him. You know, he will always sign. So you can definitely get some good stuff over there, right? On field the one. Next, and field one is located. Is that, That's the field that's loaded between Under Armour Center and the stadium, right? Correct. So that's going to be the, the field that the only field that they're going to give you access to um, in between where like the stretching fields and the Under Armour Performance Center slash clubhouse are. And then the dirt, the, that would be in conjunction to the dirt path that goes over to Sloan. So, you know, you, you could do all right there. Uh, it's, it's a good opportunity for your kids to snag a ball. I mean, players will throw balls to kids, things like that. If you're a guy that you want to feel like the ball hawks outside of Wrigley, you know, you can go on the back side of the fence and you can shag balls back there. And it's really cool when the Cubs have commemorative baseballs like the 100th anniversary of Wrigley or, or those different things. Um, you know, you can get sometimes you'll get lucky and get a playoff baseball or, you know, it's really cool to see the type of ball that you could wind up with. And then from there, guys, you know, around games typically or excuse me, one o'clock, you know, around 1230 players will start walking across the dirt path. So some of your top minor league prospects, like a David Bodie last year, or even Charcer Burks, you know, some of these guys that are rising through the system, this is your opportunity to get a lot of those guys. You know, you'll see a Randy Hunley occasionally. You'll get a Ryan Sandberg every day. You'll get some of the coaches, maybe a Henry Blanco, you know, depending on, on who's on the staff at that time. But that's really the plan of attack. If you want to go for – your Chris Bryant, your Jason Hayward, any of the guys on the on the 26-man roster, really what you need to do is you need to be in line early behind the home field gate at Sloan Park. And when those gates open, guys, you literally have to run. And I don't say this jokingly. You have to run to the third base side of the field, and you want to make sure that you're in between the dugout I would say from the very corner of the dugout, about three sections down is the farthest that I would go. And you've got to be in that front row. If you're in that front row and you are from the corner of the dugout, I would say no further than 25 to 30 people down, you are almost guaranteed to get a Chris Bryant autograph. Chris usually signs the same exact spot every game. And then with your other players, they'll just kind of fill in randomly here and there down the wall. Your Kyle Schwarber will usually sign closer to the, the dugout corner. Um, but, you know, it's you got to be down there. you got to be in the front row. If you're in the second, the third, the fourth row, you have zero chance. So, like I said, it all goes back to putting in the time, you know, being patient. But if you're willing to do that, I mean, you're going to hit some home runs on your trip. I keep hearing the word patience, and I think that's the key. I mean, to be a grapher, you need to be patient, correct? I mean, you have to you have to wait it out. Yeah, I mean, guys, there's times that I put in eight, nine-hour days to try to get one autograph. And some days, it pays off, right? You're there to meet one specific player. You get that player. It's amazing. It's the best feeling in the world. But then there's also those days, guys, where you put in eight, nine hours, and you walk home with nothing, and you feel miserable because you go, man, I just wasted a whole day. So, yeah, there's a lot of patience in this game. 
So yeah, tell us. I mean, you you, you told us that Rizzle store earlier, but tell us um, your from your experience at graphing Cub players, one of your best experiences and one of your worst experiences. Well, we're going to start with the worst one first. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, you know, I, I in this is the current Cub. Um, he has got to be just the biggest asshole on this team. And, you know, excuse me for, for the language for, you know, if anybody's got children and they'll listen out there, but this is the most unfan friendly player that I've ever met in the Cubs uniform. You know, he doesn't give us a lot of production on the field, which makes me, you know, as a fan go, man, let's just get rid of this bum and trade him while we can get something out of him even more. And that is good old Mr. Ian Happ. Ian Happ is the most non-fan-friendly guy I have ever met in my entire life. And I can hear some chuckles back there. So it's not so just a pretty like face. Some, <laughs> I feel like some of the Club 400 people have probably seen this as well. Um, I know Tom Warman, who you, you mentioned earlier, has got some stories about, uh, about Ian Happ that he can share that are pretty funny. But, I mean, you know, I had an experience with the guy last year. And, you know, he, I've never once in my life, Stu, not one time, physically seen this man smile ever he always looks pissed off at the world he always looks miserable uh you know we call him mr no personality ian half here in arizona and i had last year i had bought a bat of him, a game used bat he did a private signing with a local memorabilia company so i paid my 150 dollars to get my bat signed and i also had his memorial day camouflage jersey uh, I bought that actually from Tom Warman, who you were talking about earlier, who's MLB authenticated. And I sent both of these items in. Ian signed the jersey, put Memorial Day 2017 inscription on it, but refused to sign the bat and said it wasn't his bat, even though it was game used, it was MLB authenticated, and it's the exact same damn bat that he used all last season. <laughs> That's crazy. So I got the bat back unsigned from a paid autograph signing. So even getting paid for it, he wouldn't do it. Then last year, during spring training, I was there. Stu, you saw me. You know, you saw the work that I put in. I was there almost every day last year because my job allowed me to have that flexibility. I was the only person all of spring training that I saw that had an Ian Happ jersey, period. There was not another fan or another autographer trying to get him to sign a jersey. I tried eight, nine games in a row, and I'm in the front row at Sloan one day on the third base side, like we talked about just a little bit ago. Ian is signing autographs, and he keeps skipping over me. And I said, Ian, will you please personalize the jersey to me? It's for my own collection. And he looks at me with the most straight-faced, dickhead look on his face and says, let the kids get it, bro. And I couldn't believe it. I said, are you kidding me? Nobody else has an Ian Happ jersey here. I got so frustrated with the experience, guys, that I literally found a kid in the outfield later that day. Him and his mom were hanging out. And I said, hey, man, do you like Ian Happ? And he said, yeah. And I gave the damn jersey away (laughs) because I realized that Ian was never going to sign it for me. I mean, the guy is just, he's just a piece of work, man. He sounds like the guy who'd sign the threads of a baseball. Oh man, yeah, he's uh, he's terrible. He just just non fan friendly at all. Wow. Uh, you know, if I could see the guy smile one time, I'll probably go buy a lottery ticket that day. <laughs> Mister Happy. <laughs> now the best experience. Um, I, this is going to be last year too, guys. I mean, last year was crazy. You know, I, I talked about the Rizzo thing with you, and that was cool, but that was not as cool as this situation. So everybody remembers Wilson Contreras' infamous moment of talking about what he said to John Lester when John Lester finally picked somebody off at, uh, at um, CubsCon last year, correct? Correct. So what what, what made, was that? What was that comment? It was mother... Was it, what, what, I, uh, for, I forgot what it was. Throw it, uh, throw it to first, motherfucker. Yes, exactly, the, the exactly. And he told this story... At the kids' panel, by the way. So that was uh, made it easy. Dude, that was funnier. like the biggest news from the convention is the MF bomb that Contreras threw out. Oh, it was so funny. So I immediately, uh, guys, I found a photo of John Lester with the glove over his mouth and Wilson Contreras standing in front of him on the pitcher's mound with his mask up, talking to him. And I put that photo on the front of a t shirt 
and I put the quote that Wilson Contreras shared on the front of the T-shirt as well, and then I put Contreras 40 on the back of it. And when I made it, Wilson saw it and immediately direct messaged me on Instagram and told me he wanted copies of the shirts. So I brought him copies of the shirts. He signed my game-worn jersey for me. He signed a World Series replica jersey that I had for me, took a photo. It was great. From then on, um, you know, he was really our buddy. I mean, he would message me all the time on Instagram, back and forth, last spring training. You know, he met with my girlfriend and I at the time privately to take a photo with her and sign her jersey. And then it was just great. Every time we would see him at a game, he would be coming out of the game, jogging down the third baseline or the first baseline, depending on the stadium. We'd yell his name. He'd stop on a dime, come over, give us a hug, say hello. I mean, it was just a fantastic experience. Is there anything that you would advise people not to do? Like when they approach people, like like approach somebody out who's out eating dinner or something like that? Yeah, I mean, if you see them out in public, you know, really just kind of leave them alone until they're at least done. I mean, never walk up to a player that's eating. If he's with his family, you got to understand there's a right place and a right time. You know, if let's say you run into Rizzo at the mall, right? A lot of these guys, they'll go to Fashion Square Mall in Scottsdale. You know, I hear stories all the time of, you know, guys, autographers hanging out at the mall and literally following around like a Jorge Soler, not even like an A-list, you know, type ball player, following them around the mall while they're trying to shop or hang out with their family or really just be a normal person. You know, leave them alone. If they're at dinner, leave them alone. You know, there are times that if you run into an Anthony Rizzo and you want to wait for him to get done eating, and say, hey, Riz, can I get a picture with you real quick? Or can my kid get a picture? He's probably going to be accommodating to that. But if you approach them while they're at dinner, while they're trying to shop, while they're with their family, I mean, guys, a lot of these players will remember faces. And when they see you at the ballpark the next day, well, you probably just shot yourself in the foot. So, you know, I would say outside of the ballpark, you know, definitely probably give these guys a little bit of respect. You know, they're normal people like you and I. They just got cooler jobs. That's that's the reality of the situation. Exactly. You're 100% right about that. People just like everybody else. Uh, I wanted to point out a couple. What I Where I became successful at some autographs was, and so if you go to Sloan Park, uh, you'll notice uh, there's two major parking lots. There's the public one, and then on the other side, between this, um, Under Armour and Sloan, there's a big parking lot there. Those are for the season ticket holders. And that's where that field A is that we were talking about earlier. And that's where the path is from the locker room to the stadium. Uh, yeah, like you said, back before 2016, a lot of the players would walk the path. Now they're all taking golf carts and they're just winging right past you. And, but there is, an en- there is an entrance to uh, a lot. And a lot of players are going to taking the golf carts out in the left field. Uh, there's an entrance they can get in over there. But some of the players enter through a door uh, located right by the main gate. And uh, that's a good place to line up before the games, like maybe an hour before the games. Uh, you could pro- probably get some good autographs there. But another key point, Dave, as I wanted to point out, too, is was obviously these are spring training games. And the regulars only play four to five innings. But there, there is a setback to this one. If you go, a lot of these players, after they're done playing, are out of there. They're not sitting around watching the rest of the game. They're headed back to the locker room to do the rest of the work they got to do that particular day. So if... You don't mind missing the game, and you're all about autographs. If you're out there in about the fourth, fifth inning, these players are going to walk right out that door and head back with because they know most of the fans are obviously inside the ballpark. But it's a great spot to get autographs. Have you ever done that before, Dave? I used to. Um, you know, you you used to get your Addison Russell and your Schwarber and those guys that would walk out the side door right there by the the home plate gate that you're talking about, Stu. But that has changed over the last like year and a half. Now what is happening is all of your 26-man roster, all of your starting players, they're no longer coming out that gate anymore or going up the, you know, under the tunnel, up the stairs, and coming out that side gate. Now what they're doing is they're all exiting down the third baseline. There's the bridge that goes over to where the, you know, the berm area is. They have golf carts underneath there now, and what they do is all your starters will walk down, they'll get on the golf carts, and the security will actually shuttle them all the way around to avoid all-fan interaction. That spot right there behind the home plate gate that you're talking about, the door, the fans, you guys will see gates set up right there. 
it used to be a really, really good spot. Um, you know, the only thing that you really get out of it now is if like, a, let's say Ben Zobris, for example, if he's not playing that day, he'll usually still come into the game. He'll watch three, four, five innings, and then he will typically come out that door and sign when he comes out. But for the most part, pretty much everybody else goes out the third base side now. It's a good spot to get some of the minor league guys when the game is over or some of the coaching staff, with the exception of a Joe Madden. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely changed over the last couple of years. Things are getting progressively harder around Sloan. David Truitt, a professional grapher. One thing I like about David, and that's why I had him on, is yeah, he never did it to resell. You know, he did it for a. He's a grapher for his own personal collection. He's a Cub fan, like everybody else whose hobby is graphing. But you're right, Dave. Things have changed at, at since 2016, since the Cubs won the World Series. Autographs are a lot harder to get from these players. Um, it's a it's a fact, and it's it's actually post 16. I mean, I remember when I used to go to the Chicago Cubs charity events, which they have about four or five a year. I mean, you just put a bunch of baseballs in your pocket and go to town. Now, every Cubs charity event, when you buy that ticket, they say no autographs. And if they see you with the baseballs, they'll take them away from you. So the game has definitely changed. The Cubs have changed changed the game, and they made it a little less fun. I'll be honest with you. Well, they probably had to based on uh, the numbers David was giving us at the beginning with the $6 billion worth of autograph sales. I mean, it just it's gotten more and more and more and more and more progressively popular. And so these people, instead of having 10 kids standing there looking for an autograph, it's hundreds and it never stops. We were at the convention this year and uh, David DeJesus was walking out. And a couple, he went to sign a couple guys' autographs in the lobby, the lobby lurkers. Oh, yeah. And uh, all of a sudden there was a line and it just never ended. And he was just too nice and he kept doing it, you know. But he is a nice guy. I've met him a couple times. But like Dave referenced, that it's much easier to sell as well these days. So I think synonymously with the World Series and the technological revolution that's kind of happened with you know the new Facebook market you could just sell something without even thinking about it and you could see who's looking at it i sold my car through facebook it's become so easy to sell stuff yeah man i, I kind of think like the new I and mean, we it's you know, it's well out there but the new autograph is the selfie i mean I, the pictures are awesome and to get i like getting pictures personally um you know and that's the, basically the evolution of the cell phone. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. Now they all have beautiful, you know, cameras on there. And uh, the, 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 the cell phone, the selfies, I think, is, is, in my opinion, better than an autograph. It's very interesting to um, talk about and deal with older players that, you know, when signing autographs was a totally different kind of thing to them. About five years ago, I was out to dinner and at the table next to us, I'm looking across the way, and I'm like, God, this guy looks so familiar. It was Stan Musial, not a Cub. And uh, and I'm kind of looking, but I couldn't figure it out right away. And all of a sudden, his wife waves me over while they're eating. So I go over there. She goes, sit down. And she goes, do you want his autograph? And I'm like, I figured out who it was by then. And, and I said, no, i just like to shake his hand or whatever. And she's like, Goes in her purse. She's carrying a wad of baseball cards. He, she gave me a card. He signed it. Shook my hand. Took a selfie. You know, it was like awesome. Stan's the man. Stan the man. Wow. Yeah, not a cub. So yeah, Dave. Uh, I was coming down here today. Well, Carol Haddon, who we had on episode one, uh, was liquidating her Cubs memorabilia collection. I went over there and I bought some stuff off of her. And a lot of her stuff is obviously older stuff from the 80s, 70s. And I bought some team sign balls. But I, what I recognized on those balls is almost every one of those signatures were readable. Like, you could actually read the name. Now, I kind of just let's have a little bit of fun here, Dave. You know everybody's autograph, what they look like. Let's go around the horn real quick and, like, judge a few autographs. Uh, in your opinion, right, this, this is my opinion. Who has the, the worst autograph on the Cubs? Oh, the worst autograph on the Cubs. Um, wow. That's uh that's a loaded question, Stu. That's a really loaded question. Um depending on I'll say this. Rizzo can have, and I know you've got a lot of Rizzo autographs in your collection. I know we've been to Club four hundred. You've seen his regular signature. If you get that, it's great. If you catch Rizzo and he is not in the mood, 
I have literally seen him scribble a couple circles on somebody's baseball before. Literally circles. So he is a front runner. Um, I would say probably the worst signature on the active roster. And, and I love the guy, but honestly, it's got to be Willie. Willie I agree. And that's that's where I was going, Dave. The worst autograph <laughs> is Wilson Contreras. Because I know Dave pretty pretty good, and I, I was hoping that he would say Wilson because it's just a, like three or four s- circles. But he just learned English, so. <laughs> but didn't he? But didn't he have an older autograph that was way better? He like dumbed it down. Yeah, a little he bit. he used to have one that just had a little bit more to it. Um, I've seen some very early variations of his signature. Now, here's what you guys got to understand, too. You know, a lot of the Dominican players, when they come to the United States, you know, they weren't taught cursive writing and, and different things. You know, a lot of Dominican players will actually just print their name out. So they will literally write out every letter, Wilson, Contreras, and just spell it out. Like, you know, like you're, like you're teaching your, your kid how to print their name for the first time. Um, so I know I've seen signatures of his where they are full signature. He does have very nice penmanship. Um, but you know, usually if you want something like that, you got to specifically ask for it, but the signature that he gives on an everyday basis is basically a W looped into a C and then it's got the number 40 on it. Yeah, that helps. (laughs) There's a clip we're going to play at the end of the show here that the Cubs did last year on autographs. Uh, we're going to play that for you at the end, but how, uh, let's talk about Chris Bryant's autograph, uh, probably the most sought uh, sought after autograph on the team. As you know, Tell us a little bit about his fanatics autograph and his personal, uh, when, when you catch him at the ballpark autograph, they're different, right, Dave? Uh, it, it depends guys. Um, Chris, Chris has kind of gone up and down a little bit. Um, you know, when Chris first got drafted by the Cubs, he was assigned, uh, he played, you know, a little bit in the minor leagues, which obviously everybody's aware of. Um, he came out to the Arizona fall league and at the Arizona fall league. Oh my God, guys, he was tremendous. He would sign every single day and he would make sure that he got everybody, you know, just the nicest guy. And Chris is genuinely just a nice guy, period. You know, he's gotten a little bit stricter about where he signs and when he signs. Now he kind of limits it to more of the ballpark now that he's married. You know, if you get him out and about, he'll say hi, he'll shake your hand, he'll take a selfie with you, but he's not going to sign outside of the ballpark, inside the park. Um, and I think that a lot of that might be to do with this fanatics deal as well, but you know, he's a very accommodating guy and his autograph has always been K B Y T. And then usually his number, right. Um, depending on the, the situation of which you catch him, if there's a lot of people and he's in a hurry, you might get KB, you might get KB in a smiley face. If he knows he's gotten you before, that's one of Chris's little tricks that a lot of people aren't aware of. Yeah, what, what, what is you, with that? What is with the smiley face thing? So the smiley face thing, and I, and I personally, I've caught Chris one-on-one before and I asked him about this and he has flat out told me this to my face. So this is a real story, guys. This is breaking news for the autographers out there. All right. If Chris Bryant gives you a smiley face, that's because Chris Bryant recognizes you. He knows he's got you before. Chris is never going to be the guy to tell you no unless he thinks you are a autograph dealer. But if he knows you're a fan and he's got you before, you will get KB. Sometimes you'll get the KBYT, the full autograph, but he will put a smiley face on it. And that's just his way of letting you know that he knows who you are. See, um, Dave ta- Dave's teaching cool. me stuff today. You're teaching me stuff today. I never knew that. And you see a lot of smiley faces out there in the market. Yep, yep. So that's what that is. I mean, that's people that have gotten Chris multiple times. Um, you know, last year he signed for the most part, you got a full graph. Now understand when you go to Sloan park, it's, it's a madhouse guys. And for the fans out there, if you put your little kids up in the front and you want them to get a Chris Bryant, be a smart parent, stand behind your child. Do not let people get in between your kid and that wall. Because when Chris Bryant comes over and signs, your kids will get crushed. If you are not standing behind them. That is a very realistic reality of this hobby. People go absolutely nuts when Chris Bryant or Rizzo start to sign autographs, especially with the recent success of the Cubs. But at Sloan, you know, with the Chris, if you got a really nice item, Stu, you might get the full nice KBYT like you would get from a sit-down Fanatics autograph signing. 
Other times you might get a KBT. It's usually a little bit more of a rust autograph, but for the most part, Chris does stay pretty consistent and try to give you a decent autograph out of it. There's not too much to do with really contract disputes or, you know, fanatics telling him don't sign things, anything like that. I mean, he's pretty accommodating. Best autograph on the Cubs. Are you going to go there? Well, yeah, best all time and best current. Yeah, let's go best all time. We can go back to, you know, to the older players and best current Cub. Oh, I mean, best all time guys without a doubt is the Hawk. Yeah, (laughs) Dave, you're speaking my language today, dude. (laughs) Andre Dawson has just every single letter. Now I do. I do want to interject with this though. And if you guys ever get Andre on the podcast, if he's ever at Club 400, I need you oh, to he's, ask He's been here. He's been me. here, but he'll be back. We're going to get him back. Next time you get him back, Stu, you got to ask him the question. How the hell does that first name say Andre? Because I swear to God, every time I look at it, it says Clyde Dawson. <laughs> You're exactly right. There's. It looks like there's a... Uh... I don't know what the third letter there, but it looks like a J or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we, uh, when but we had Andre Dawson out here, the autograph signing took so long because, if first of all, he turns the item a different way to sign it. Like, he doesn't sign it, like, straight like most players do across. He, he turns the yeah, item. Yeah, he signs it like an angle. Yeah, he signs it at an angle, and he takes his time. So the autograph line took forever when Dawson was here, but you got to uh, – everybody gets a quality, awesome autograph from Dawson. Especially if you get him to put, like, the Hulk on it. I mean, honestly, in the baseball world, I don't know if anybody in the last 15 years, with the exception of, you know, maybe a guy like a Derek Jeter has a really cool autograph. Um, Not a lot of players, just their autographs look like that. And, yeah, I know somebody in the background was talking about Stan Musial. Stan Musial is another guy that every letter, perfect. Mickey Mantle. Frank Robinson, who just Ron Santo, Ron Santo's perfect autograph right there. I mean, you know, yeah. you want to talk about, um, and I, I, I want to jump off topic because you mentioned Ron Santo here. I met Ron Santo Jr. at the Cubs fantasy camp two years ago, Stu. Not only seeing him in a Cubs uniform with the number 10 on his back, not only does he look like his dad right out of a 1970s baseball card, I mean, just pure spitting image twin of his father. But I asked him to sign a baseball to put next to his dad. His autograph is even the exact same to the T. Every penmanship stroke is the same as his father's. The only difference is he puts a junior on it. Wow. If you put the two baseballs next to each other and you ask somebody to tell you which one was Ron Sano and which one was Ron Sano Jr., if the ball from Junior does not have Junior on it, I promise you, you will not be able to tell the difference. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I've never seen his autograph, but uh, maybe I'll have to have Ronnie Junior come here and sign the wall since we missed Ronnie signing the wall. Go. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, best autograph on the Cubs now. Ooh. I, you know, there's not a lot of guys that really have that full signature anymore. Um, the ones that I would say really probably look the best, and I'm trying to go around the roster in my head and just think, um, you know, the closest thing to a full signature that you really get is probably a Kyle Hendricks, guys. Um, Kyle's got a really nice graph. Kyle is a very, very accommodating, fan-friendly guy, too. If you ask him, for the fans out there, if you ask him to put the professor, if you ask him to put 2016 ERA leader, Anything like that on the ball, he'll typically do it. Um, but he's got a really nice autograph. Um, Joe Madden, I would say, if we're talking coaches included in this, Joe probably has the best autograph on the entire roster currently. Um, John Lester's got a nice, pretty, loopy one, but good luck ever getting that as a fan. And then I would say probably, you know, if Schwarber is not in a rush, Kyle Schwarber's got an okay autograph. I mean, you you kind of get a little bit more from him than what you do from other players. And then Jason Hayward. Actually, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Jason Hayward on this one because last year's spring training, Jason Hayward was signing every letter, full signature Jason Hayward autographs, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, and on that video we're going to end the show off with, he talks. Jason Hayward specifically talks about why his autograph is so readable. I, I, you know, not because we're having them out here, but I do. I think I like Ben Zobris's autograph also. I mean, um, I think I, I just like the way it looks, you know. 
I, I, yeah, it's it's definitely unique looking. I got one more old time uh, player story. Not Cub, sorry, but I used to know Harmon Killebrew pretty well, and he's just oh, what a great signature! Absolutely beautiful signature. And I asked him why he takes so much time and does that. And this is how much everything has changed. He said because back then kids used to get the autograph ball and they would play baseball with it. And he said he was thinking one day if somebody lost the ball and then years later they found it, he wanted them to know who it was. That was his reasoning. I mean, if I, See, that sounds, that, if I was, that a, sounds like that was the start of the sandlot guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it probably was. I mean, as a kid, you know, I think we all practiced our autograph hoping that we'd be a major leaguer. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate the guys who have a great autograph because I think it represents them a little bit in some ways. Um, but, yeah, like I was looking at my 84, even my 84 ball, you know, a team signed 84 ball, which I just picked up not long ago, a beautiful baseball. Every guy on that team, you didn't have to say, who is that guy? Who right. is that guy? Who is that guy? And nowadays, it's, it's you know, let's face it, autographs are a big business now. Baseball is a big business now. It's not like it used to be, and that's 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 where we're at right now. But um, yeah, Dave. Well, thanks a lot for coming on today. I think we covered anything else. Uh, I think we covered everything I, I wanted to cover. Um, to I do want to pick at you a little bit though, Stu, because sure. you talk about practicing your autograph. I do have a Club Four Hundred logo baseball that I made last spring training, <laughs> and I had Stu sign it for me. I will tell you you would not fall into that category of one of the best autographs from a visual standpoint. Well, he typically only signs eight by 10 photos. He doesn't. Do oh, he, he gave me a quick sig rush autograph. Like, yeah, piss off kid. Oh no. Actually, Dave did this awesome, uh, club 400 logo. You know, on a ball. You know, awesome. You know, Dave, the thing with Stu's autograph is it has nothing to do with how rushed he is or, what time of the day it is. It's how many shots of Jaeger he's got in him. That's yeah, that is true. That is true. But Dave, you are, you are the one of the best dude. I'm so happy to I'm so, thank you for taking time to come on with us. We are going to yeah, put you, we're going to put you in the Ian Hap fan club. We're going to do that. When we, uh, <laughs> the president. Uh, we're looking forward to having you uh, see you in spring training and have a few beers. You know, we're giving away 400 beers at the tent. So hopefully you can, Drink up, uh, you know, five or six oh, of those. Absolutely. You know? so, uh, and then it's still one thing before you guys go too. you know, I, there's something I want to talk about um, just before we get off here today. You know, I, I know Club 400, the whole motto of Club 400 is Cubs fans helping Cubs fans. And I know you guys do a lot of charity work for, you know, um, just individuals that they're going through tough times, medical conditions, things like that. You know, you had uh, asked before we started the podcast today, what, you know, me leaving the, the career that I was in. The career that I'm in now, guys, I am in the, the medical field. Um, the, the company that I work for, I am the director of, of patient acquisition for a stem cell therapy company. So, you know, any individual that if they're dealing with rare autoimmune diseases, you know, if, you, if there's a Cubs fan out there that your back is so deteriorated and, you know, doctors are telling you that you can't have surgery, you're in chronic pain. I mean, just all these different ailments that are out there. If doctors here in the United States tell you that they can't help, guys, there are other alternatives out there. I would be more than willing to speak to any Cubs fan and give them, obviously, the, the best help that we possibly can. Um, but, you know, we deal with a lot of situations where individuals, you know, I hurt my back. The, the doctor says it's too far along. We can't do surgery. You know, stem cell therapy does help that. Um, it helps diseases. It helps everything that are out there. So if anybody's ever interested and exploring alternative medicine options. I mean, there are other things that you can do besides put yourself through a surgical procedure. And I know the whole Cubs community is about helping other Cubs fans. And, and I would love to have conversations with anybody that would be interested in that. So, David, spell your, uh, your, uh, your last name so people could find you on Facebook. So it is David Truitt, T-R-U-I-T-T. Um, it, you, know, it's, you can find me on Instagram. It's, you could search me the same way. My, my Instagram name is Iowa Hawks fan zero six. Um, you know, I, anytime that anybody would like to have a conversation, you know, I'd be more than happy to just give people options of, of what else is out there and how they can be helped medically. Because I, that's the big reason I like club 400. I love the fact that they're helping other fans and, and really doing things in the community. 
I know I don't live in the area, but if I could contribute to that in any way, I mean, that would be fantastic. That sounds great. That's awesome, Dave. So th- yeah, thanks for coming on. We'll see you at spring training. Let's I uh, hope you, uh, Get a, a lot of autographs, and the Cubs have another successful year. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate well, I'm actually, it. Well, I'm actually retiring from the autographs this year. So. Oh, you're retiring. Okay. Yes. Um, I, I have a child on the way. and Congratulations. My first one. Thank you. So I, I, I will be there as a fan. I will be there watching baseball, and I will be there drinking Club 400 beers, but yes. probably not too much of the autographs this year, uh, just to save myself a little bit of time commitment. Uh, we'll get to hang out with you a little bit more. That's great. So Absolutely. We'll, we'll see you soon in a couple of weeks, and you take care of yourself. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Hey, Cub fans, I also wanted to let you know, uh, as far as in the Chicagoland area, if you want to find about autograph signings, please check out Chicagoland Sports Appearance Connection. Uh, they have a website, csac.biz. You can find them on Facebook and Twitter. And what they do is they advertise signings in the Chicagoland area. Uh, and they notify you where they're at. And they give you all the information. Tony Horner runs this website. He's a good guy. And uh, if you want to know where your favorite, not just Cub, but sports celebrity is going to be signing, this is the website to be a part of. So, But you guys have a hey, We're going to end off with this clip here that the Chicago Cubs production did last year regarding autographs. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it. My teammates, I think every teammate I had, I could read his autograph, Sano's autograph, like Ernie's autograph. All of the players in that era, when I played, you always could read their names. Oh yeah, that's called Schwerber. Is that K-12? Is that Schwerber? Oh, okay. the right side up. Am I holding it the right way? Like, what is... I'm going Albert Almora. No. Yeah, this is this is Addy, definitely. It's Addy. Cool. <laughs> you see, what is this? Uh... Hmm, that's just circles. On top of circles. Bunch of loops. There's literally three circles. What are we doing here? Is it Tommy? I don't know. It's somebody likes to draw circles. <laughs> Who is it? Well, I'm gonna start going around the diamond. It's not Willie. That's a C, but it's is it is Willie? Yeah. We'll what? See. Where is the W? It's Willie. There's no W in that at all. No, that's that's awesome. I need a number for that though, Willie. I need a number. I always wanted to be unique, you know. I wanted to wanted to be original. A lot of teammates having trouble with with my signing. I mean, telling you, who's this, who's that. I mean, that's mine. That's unique, you know. Uh, it's something that I brought into my into the baseball. Guys, now they sign autograph a little different than we did. I guess I wanted the people to know who I were at the time, and my autograph hadn't changed over the years. I remember being in Spanish class and you know just jotting down my signature four pages front and back, and uh, Miss Ortiz would call my name, hey, Addy, what are you doing, what are you doing? I'm like, yo, this is gonna be worth a lot of money one day. Getting to professional ball, having to sign a lot of autographs for a lot of people, it got short for a second. And Tory Hunter actually was the one that convinced me to like try and write my name out. And he just said, when someone finds a baseball or a card or whatever it is, you wanna be able to know like it's your name. Jason Hayward has a really nice signature, but I really love the Ben Sabres one. The Z used to be more of a sharp, like, uh, lightning bolt kind of Z, and now it's I throw a little, you know, curl in there to kind of make it flow a little bit better. I think when I was young, straight out of the draft, I made sure I made my perfect cursive with every letter, but um, now it's more like cutting lines and stuff, so I like it better. I didn't like the way the eye looked. Because the eye, you know, nobody really knows how to do the eye in cursive. The cursive eye is like, it's it's aggressive. So I had to change the first name, and when I got that right, that's when it all clicked. I would say the best autograph on the team might be Lester. Solid signature, 34, good number for it. Impressive. Yeah, worst is going to have to be Willie. If I asked him to sign a ball for a kid who's a catcher, 
<laughs> he gave it back to me. I was like, wait, did he think I was going to sell it? I think it's Rizzo. I go with Rizzo. I know. It looks like a, like a little baby signing a baseball, signing a bat. Ooh, that's going to have to go to Rizzo. Ugly signature. I've signed a lot of strange things, but the biggest, the, the toughest thing is when someone takes their shoe off and they're barefoot or something and you're like holding up their shoe like, you really want me to sign this right now? Uh, I've signed a couple flip-flops before. The small part of like glasses, I've signed Pokemon cards. You get babies a lot, which is kind of weird, I feel like. Body parts, I did that too. A lot of, lot of them I can't mention here. <laughs> normally, normally whenever I'm around Cubs fans, I would just go to either you know, the smallest Cub fan or, you know, uh, a Cub fan that's just smiling ear to ear. I like to do it after the game. That's my favorite time to sign. Win or loss, I really try to do it every game, and whether I had a good game or not, it helps me kind of turn the page quickly and um, just put the focus back on the community and, the you know, the, the people that are letting us do what we're able to do out there.